This is a podcast from Minute Media. And what is up, Peter Peeps? Welcome in to a very special Tuesday edition of the Wednesday show of the Peter Cast. Yes. Your number one spot for all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers news analysis, hot takes, and otherwise. I am Steve Carney. That is Ren Dax. Ren is on location today. How are I you, Ren? I am. I'm on location with my new backdrop. Very patriotic. <laughs> I got the flag and a gambling machine. I mean, peanut butter and jelly here. We're good. We're good. <laughs> But uh, big week, so I'm uh, doing. We're doing whatever we, whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. Yes, whatever it takes to talk uh, Bucks and Patriots. And usually, our first show of the week involves someone from the other side as we go across the field. And there, for me, is nobody better that I could get to talk New England Patriots football than the radio voice of the Patriots. My old friend Bob Sosi is with me. Hello, Bob. It's good to see you. How are you? It's great to see you. Great to talk with you, Steve. I'm, I'm doing well. Just trying to make it through this week and get to Sunday. It is. Like the rest of us. Yeah, right? Be, it's definitely going to be a very, very interesting week on all accounts. And uh, I, I know that I know that things are, are kind of weird uh, up there. It's like cats living with dogs, mass hysteria, uh, as, uh, as Bill Murray is. Uh, like likely to say in the movie Ghostbusters, but it, it, I think this is going to be a much uh, a much closer to the uh, to the to the skin uh, type of contest here, and and we'll get to here in just a second because that's my weird transition of the week. Yes, yes. <laughs> for for our sponsor uh, Manscaped and Manscaped, I have told the story multiple times on the show. Being in the Navy. Sometimes you meet some of the strangest people. And I had a guy that I worked with that thought it was perfectly okay to use the razor that you would, he would use down there on his face. Absolutely disgusting. So don't do that. Instead, use the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped, which is now available. The new Lawnmower version 4.0 with the 6,000 RPM motor the ceramic blade with safe skin technology wireless charging waterproof it is the best thing that you can use for your personal grooming and with the performance package 4.0 you also get the weed whacker 4.0 to get all those pesky near uh, ear and nose hairs out of the way you get a uh, a package of the crop duster a ball deodorant the ball toner and also a couple of free gifts including a package of the manscaped briefs which are very very nice and you can get it all at a discount thanks to us here at the pewter cast as you can go to manscaped.com use the promo code fansided20 and get 20 percent off your order of the performance package 4.0 and free shipping again manscaped.com promo code fansided20 and you'll get 20 percent off your order of the performance package version 4.0 and free shipping thanks to the pewter cast so as we get into this weekend, yes, uh, it is it is a sigh of relief that we get that done. As we get into what is the craziest week in the NFL in quite some time, Bob, the first question that we always ask our first-time guests, you are now the play-by-play voice of the New England Patriots, but you had to get there 
from somewhere. So for people that may not know your background, give us a, give us a little bit of how you got to be in the booth at Gillette Stadium every Sunday. Well, Steve, I'm going to have to tell you a very, very long story as concisely as I can. But essentially, I grew up in the middle of New York State, the Finger Lakes region of New York State, went Ooh. to college in Ohio. And then between there and New England, lived about just a, you know, just everywhere, yep. <laughs> three different time zones, following a minor league baseball path, primarily in the summers, worked for 20 plus years in the minor leagues, virtually every level of professional baseball, except for the big leagues. But my big break came after 16 years of calling Navy football. I was the broadcaster for the Ooh. United States Naval Academy midshipmen. Uh, working both basketball and football. I called basketball for 12 years, football for 16. I also did a lot of freelance work in that time while doing minor league baseball. And uh, after moving to the Boston area, I met my wife who was from Boston. I was still in Annapolis. Uh, we moved to Boston. I went back and forth. I commuted regularly uh, between New England and the Mid-Atlantic and knocked on doors locally here in Boston. And in 2009, I had a chance to drop off a CD with samples of my Navy football play-by-play on it. Never heard from the station again until three years later when the flagship of the Patriots got in touch with me because the legendary voice of the Pats, I'll think of Gene Dekaroff in Tampa Bay. And yeah, the great Gil Sanchez. well Santos. known how iconic that voice is, how good that mm-hmm. voice is calling football. Well, Gil Santos was every bit of the kind of figure in broadcasting circles locally that Gene continues to be down in the Tampa Bay area. Gil retired after 36 years, and I was lucky enough that I landed the job to, to be his successor. I always say never his replacement. He's in the Patriots Hall of Fame. He's got a red he, – wow. he passed away with a red jacket uh, a couple of years earlier being provided uh, as a Hall of Famer, not in the broadcast wing, but as a Patriots Hall of Famer. Uh, again, a gentleman uh, who is the eternal voice of football here in New England. And a legend, and uh, a guy that I remember listening to as a as a kid growing up in Rhode Island. Uh, you know, you, you would hear Patriots football on the radio, and that's the way that when when we were growing up, you had to you had to get the Patriots because they were always blacked out at home. So you had to listen. You had to listen to, to Gill and Gino Capaletti. Those two guys brought Patriots football to to people as, better than almost anything that you could ever imagine. And yes, Gene is. Gene is right up there with Gil, and I put you in that same category, Bob, because you're my buddy, and you know it's, it's great. Like I, 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 love, I, think it's a, I think it's a Navy bias. You, it, like you served. I just, I just call football games. <laughs> it, that that may be that may be the case, but this week is going to be very, very weird. This is probably the most highly anticipated regular season NFL game, dare I say, ever. I mean, Peyton Manning went back to Indianapolis, but I thought Peyton Manning as a Bronco was a shell of his former self. This is Tom Brady still as the GOAT coming back to New England on a Sunday night game. What has the, been the, the reaction here early on in the week as, as this week starts to get going? You know, Steve, it's very difficult to characterize the level of discussion, discourse, uh, mm-hmm. The amount of attention, print, and time on air that has been spent on Tom Brady and the Bucks, not just this week, not just last week, but frankly, going back to March of 2020 when he signed with Tampa Bay. Yeah. And 
of course, you have the backdrop of Brady and Belichick and the long-brewing situation in, involving them that stems from the 2017 season when really the Patriots became a team of even greater intrigue than they already were because of various reports about the relationship between the head coach and the quarterback and much speculation, and yet the Patriots continued to play through that. They lost to the Eagles in Super Bowl 52, but then, of course, Brady in the past won the Super Bowl in 2018 prior to his final year with the Patriots. But frankly, since he signed with Tampa Bay, you know, the argument here, who's been more important to the Patriots dynasty? Right. Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? It's only been amplified, and of course, since Tom went to the Bucks and then won the Super Bowl and has gone off to this blazing start this year, the Patriots have fallen on hard times. It's only intensified, and, and frankly, last year, you know, the Sa- last week, I should say, New Orleans Saints were an afterthought in local conversation. Certainly, my station paid very little attention as the flagship home of the Patriots during the week on their various you know, daytime segments of sports talk because everybody was looking ahead to this matchup coming up Sunday night, Patriots and the Buccaneers. Bob, you talked about having to replace a legend. Well, poor Mac Jones. I mean, in the preseason, he looked awesome. I think I saw a stat where every time he, he scored on every possession that he had the ball, of course, that's not sustainable. Wins his first two games. Lesser competition, true, but still it's a win. Not his best game, you know, last week. Where is the organization how how does the organization sort of putting mac jones to the fan base are they like this is the guy or let's hold back like where is mac jones and and sort of the 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 maturation process of him having to step into probably you know the biggest shoes ever in 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 sports history well you know Ren, it's interesting because i don't think that the plan necessarily was for Matt Jones or the expectation initially was for Matt Jones to be the day one starter. Right. He was on an accelerated track and earned the job. He won the job hour. He was the best quarterback from the start of training camp through the end of the preseason. Cam Newton ultimately released. Now the fact that Cam Newton was here last year, the Patriots struggled as they did seven and nine, but at times looking very anemic when it came to their passing offense especially. Not all that was Cam by the way. There were things about Brady's final season that certainly affected last year. Lack of talent at wide receiver. Really, a, a lack of anybody at tight end, frankly, uh, for all intents and purposes. Last two seasons. And a year ago, with Cam Newton struggling mechanically as the season went along with his throwing, with the Patriots' offense, and really running out of different ways to try to keep up with opposing teams. Now, it, it was really a... a very frustrating season on every front, particularly as I mentioned again when the Bucks got hot and made it to the playoffs and then eventually, you know, ran the table in the postseason to win the Super Bowl. So for Mac Jones, in a sense, you know, that helped him, I think, in terms of alleviating some of the pressure, some of the expectations from the outside in following Tom Brady because he was the guy who followed the guy. He true. Was the guy who true. The guy, in a sense. But yet at the same time, the thing about Mac is that people have naturally made a lot of comparisons between yeah. him and Tom, even before he was drafted by the Patriots. Yeah. One of the things that he, he brings to the NFL from his career at Alabama, elegant, accuracy, good decision-making, not a great athlete, mm-hmm. again, compared to the other quarterbacks that were coming out in last year's draft. As the 
fifth one taken in the draft, number 15 overall. So he's had to deal with that too. And as this young season has gone along, he's been faced with a very difficult set of circumstances. The offensive line has not played well whatsoever. He's had very little protection. The wide receivers, who include two free agent signees, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, they still have not shown the ability to regularly get open and allow him some easy throws downfield. So a lot of the, the throws thus far have been short, and while he's been accurate for the most part, in the last week he had three interceptions, but really two of them were on uh, either a lack of protection, he got drilled just as the ball popped in the air for a pick, and then he threw a ball right off the hands of tight end Johnny Smith that was intercepted by Malcolm Jenkins, gift-wrapped for a pick six. But he hasn't been able to throw the ball downfield whatsoever. No protection, and not enough guys getting open, and, and I think it, as well, his discretion. He's been conservative at times, cautious, and the play calling has been that as well. And then the defense, while the strength of this team generally has not been up to the challenge in key moments. They've given up far mm -hmm. too many yards on the ground. The Saints put that game away with a long touchdown drive, half yeah. out of the third and seven down by eight. So there are a lot of different things that I think have at least relieved some of the scrutiny or the burden on Matt Jones. But if this trend continues and the offense continues to struggle, particularly in the red zone, you know, obviously that's going to change. But I think right now there's so many issues facing this football team that a lot of people, frankly, they kind of expect Matt Jones to have his growing pains. And they say, you know what? He's really the least of our problems right now. There are a lot of problems that we didn't expect this year. I, I was going to ask about uh, about the offense, and you mentioned the play calling. With you know, Josh McDaniels is not known for being a conservative play caller, but he's got all of these new faces and new bodies that he's dealing with. You mentioned Aguilar, you mentioned uh, Kendrick Bourne, you mentioned Johnny Smith. Hunter Henry is there uh, for the you know his first year with a first year quarterback. You know, is it is it better? for Mac Jones and company that he has all of these new faces to go along with with him so they can kind of all build chemistry together as opposed to having guys that have been there say five or six years that had built their chemistry with a with a Tom Brady and then you're trying to shove a new quarterback in with them you know Steve I think that that's a fair point and I think you know back to last year in fact I was just reading something that Bruce Arian said after the Bucks were seven and five a year ago and that's with a mix of a lot of veterans, including the greatest quarterback to ever play and still one of the best quarterbacks, certainly, in the NFL. He, he said, uh, you know, you don't just throw guys out there with names. You've got to practice. You've got to learn to get in sync with each other, and that takes time. And here you got a rookie quarterback who's been, you know, thrown into the cauldron and up against it in terms of blitzing pressure. Uh, the Dolphins in week one, even the Jets as young and as poor as they are overall. Nonetheless, they threw a lot of pressure at him, as did, of course, New Orleans last week. The Patriots offensive line struggling as it has has really been the main concern offensively. Uh, the tight ends have not jailed yet whatsoever. Uh, John Luke Smith had a, a nightmarish game against the New Orleans Saints, and as one of uh, several big money free agent signees for the Pats, Laid out a lot of cash, 160 plus million guaranteed in free agency, 300 million overall. Well, that's extremely disappointing. So, I do think that it, it's going to take time. I do think that the conservative approach was the right one to take, particularly in the first two games. Interestingly, though, 
I think that last week, maybe some of the outside discussion, all the attention paid to the lack of air yards for Mac Jones might have affected some of the game calling early. Patriots came out against the Saints. Damian Harris runs it for seven yards on first down. And the Patriots kind of got away from the run game altogether. I know the Saints have a very good run defense, just as much to. But they took shots downfield repeatedly, and eventually Jones was forced to pass more than 50 times because of the nature of the game. And right. that left him back there you know, take, to take shot after shot. So for me, I think that you know last week they did try to go in an unconservative approach, and it kind of backfired. I wanted to ask questions about you know the free agencies, you know the free agents that the Patriots brought in, um, you know the sort of getting away from the classic quote unquote Patriot way, the way they approach roster building. Um, but I think he sort of answered that, and you know, if you watch enough sports, you understand that. Especially Bucks fans, where they you, with the quote from BA, like they have to gel. So I'm going to skip that question, but I'm going to go to a, a basically Bucks fan question, and it's very important right now to Bucks fans because I don't know if you saw right now. Richard Sherman is at Buccaneers. Uh, we call it One Buck Place, One Buck Palace. Uh, he's watching practice. You know, they freed up money just a couple of days ago, uh, $4 million. So they need help in the secondary. They're young. They're thin. The only other person that's probably out there that is definitely a better cornerback than Richard Sherman is Gilmore. Where is he with the team? Does he want to be a Patriot? Do the Patriots want him back? Are they going to pay him? Yeah, what, what's go like, what? Is he on the market? Like, you know, tell us where the organization is at with Gilmore. Ren, you're asking the $7 million question. I am. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. You like know, that. It's, it's, it's another one of those areas for the Patriots of intrigue. Gilmore, last season, you know, displeased a bit, a bit of a holdout, very brief as it was before the season began. Patriots shifted some money from this year to 2020, and that left him with a base salary of $7 million in 2021, only a couple of years removed from being the defensive player of the year. Now, he also mm -hmm. tore his quad in December last year and had to undergo surgery, necessitating a rehab process. He came into camp on list, and he's been around the team. He was at the stadium. He was in the press box uh, with the other non-active players on Sunday for the Saints game. It's been very quiet. There were reports that the Patriots at least put some feelers out last year around the trade deadline. Nothing happened. No more. Uh, in fact, he even put his house out on the market, although he and his wife later said for other reasons, but nonetheless, going into the deadline last year, I think a lot of people expected Stephon Gilmore to be somewhere else on the other side. And, well, he remained a Patriot at the end of the season. He remained a Patriot coming into this season when a lot of people thought he would be traded in the spring. Mm -hmm. And there has been really very little written about or talked about with regards to any kind of discussions, negotiations. So I think as quiet as it is, any possibility right now remains close to a probability, <laughs> frankly. I, I can see a scenario where if Gilmore you know, comes back off the pop list after week six, and uh, the Patriots desperately need him, and frankly, right now, they do need him. I think, you know, Tom Brady is catching the Patriots at the worst possible time, I think, for the Pats, particularly defensively, because they really, uh, 
they're hamstrung right now in the secondary. They're a man coverage team. And Gilmore is an exceptional man coverage cornerback. Mm-hmm. What we've seen a lot thus far, including in critical spots against the Saints, are softer coverages on the back end. And Tom Brady's got to watch the tape of these first three games. It's elevated times. You don't want to zone him. And certainly he knows where he can attack this defense uh, in, in Sunday night's game based on you know, who he sees out there defensively for the Patriots and who he doesn't see, Stephon Gilmore. Uh, but then at the same time, because there has been no move, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if at the trade deadline, you know, particularly if the, if the season doesn't start to turn for the Pats in the next couple of weeks where you know they have a decision to make and, and they do part ways with Gilmore. I, I haven't seen Richard Sherman a whole lot in the last couple of years. Yeah. And I know Gilmore last year wasn't as good as the previous season when he was the best player defensively in the league. But I have to think that Richard Gilmore, particularly with the way Bowles plays defense, that Richard, uh, that Ri- Stefan Gilmore, excuse yes. me, would be a far better and more attractive player. Because I think of Sherman, and, and, you know, and he's had a great career, but I don't think of him in those man-to-man spots, uh, particularly at this stage of his career, uh, being on the same level whatsoever with Gilmore, even at age 31. Agreed. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Although, can we get Richard Gilmore? Can we take yeah. the zone coverage <laughs> of Richard Sherman and the man-to-man prowess of Stephon Gilmore kind of can mesh we get it like, together? Can we get like a 2015 Sherman Gilmore yeah. combo? That would that would that would be that would be fantastic. So the the Bucks are not going to see Stephon Gilmore obviously because he's on the pup list. Another guy that looks like they're not going to see on Sunday night, Bob is James White. He suffered the hip injury uh, with the in the Saints game. Can you give us an update on him? We're waiting on the results of the latest test, a subluxation of the hip. We'll find out whether it's you know uh, a situation where he's on the IR uh, for a period of time or if it's season-ending and possibly career-ending. And I can't tell you how much the Patriots miss James White when he's not out there and when he's not around the team in the locker room as well. I, it's funny, uh, Stephen Wren, I was listening to the NBC broadcast. I had it on in the background of week one. I continually heard Al Michaels talk about Giovanni Bernard being Tom Brady's James White. Right. James White has been one of the most important players for the Patriots since 2015. Red shirted in 2014 behind Shane Lorraine, who had a great Super Bowl that year. And then James White, of course, uh, probably should have been the Super Bowl MVP. Yes. Yes. In Super Bowl 51 against the Falcons, 20 points in that game, and he his his value you can't you can't even quantify it with the numbers, the receptions, and the the key rushing yards he gets to. He doesn't run it a lot, but he he runs it effectively. And of course, he's been really one of the best third down backs since 2015. And then beyond that, for the Patriots, he is far and away their best pass protector. And you yep. noticed how badly they missed him in the Saints game. They had to put Brandon Bolden, the veteran, is really a core special teamer, out there the rest of the way because they didn't have the trust or faith, it seemed, in Damian Harris, their lead back, to pick up the blitz. And you're going against the Bucks, who are trying to generate their pass rush once again. I know they haven't had the sack production they'd like to three games. But now you're going to go up against that team without a guy like James White. Uh, and for the Patriots, that will be extremely challenging to put him on there. Brent? Nope. You got nothing else? All right, well, got- did, 
Yeah, you got one more, and then we'll finish it up. I know uh, you got your your your. Can I just say one thing too? You guys may yeah. Funny, but there's a great story about James and Giovanni, by the way. Uh, and it was interesting when Michaels continually made the comparison. They were high school teammates at St. Thomas Aquinas, Ooh, and Giovanni down. Bernard actually lived with the White family what? for a period of time. James's dad, the late Tyrone White, was a police officer in South Florida. Yep. And uh, you know they came from one of the best high school programs ever especially the last yeah. 10, 15 years. And uh, Giovanni, uh, you know, was somebody who, who was, you know, I think the son of immigrants, uh, Haitian immigrants, and uh, it was a you know, difficult time. And, and he and James were extremely close. as part of the same backfield. And uh, the whites took him in. And, uh, you know, they, they are like brothers, as I understand it. So, uh, unfortunately, they won't be reunited on the field for Sunday night's game. Yeah, it is. It is too bad to, to see. And yeah, I know that when uh, when uh, Giovanni Bernard was approached by the Buccaneers, one of the people that he went to to ask about it was was James White. Like, hey. Yeah, a lot of people here fear that James White would sign with Tampa Bay. He was a free agent this past mm. There was a lot of talk here too. Yeah, a lot of talk but, about it. But when, like, kind of what you said, when you talked about Gio, you know, going to James White. I don't think anybody here in the market thought that they knew the story about, you know, basically being brothers. I think everyone just thought, like I did, was he's asking James White because James White played with Brady. You know, I didn't understand they were that close. I can guarantee you someone in a bigger media uh, than we are, Steve, is going to pick up that story uh, thanks to Bob. And uh, we'll, we'll see it in the paper or on a podcast very soon. I, I would think that that would be the case. I got one more question for you, uh, Bob, and it is on the defensive side because you have you, your second and your third round picks both went defense. You went with Christian Barmore, who uh, a lot of the pundits that thought that maybe the Bucks would take at 32 when they took Joe Tryon Shoyinka, and then uh, linebacker Ronnie Perkins in the third round. How are they picking up uh, defensively there? You know, Steve Barmore has shown great potential. And in fact, he's been good. very good at times. This is a guy that uh, he's new to football, relatively speaking. He didn't start playing football until late in his uh, high school career, growing up in North Philadelphia. He went to Alabama. There were a lot of knocks on him in in the draft uh, and after the draft because he lasted as long as he did into the second round. The Patriots picked him. Mm-hmm. Reports of immaturity, though Nick Saban certainly tried to uh, refute those. Far more dominated in the college football playoffs last year yeah. against Notre Dame and as well Ohio State. And he, he's a beast inside in terms of his strength, but also the explosiveness. And, you know, I think that we're, we're going to see him a lot more as the, the, the coming weeks unfold. The Patriots have done a lot of rotating up front, and they do that particularly early in the year. Barmore has been, I think, one of the better players for them, and uh, particularly as a young player. You know, you see them with the Patriots. Usually, guys start to, to really emerge in season two, season three. I think back just to my career, particularly on the defensive line. A guy like Trey Flowers didn't play a lot his first year. Not different kind of player than Barmore, mm-hmm. but it was year two when he really emerged. You know, Josh Uche is a linebacker who didn't play against the Saints. He's been very good thus far, really, this season. He didn't play a whole lot last year, but he's come out this season, and he's ready, and he's he's shown it that he's not only ready, but he is making that big leap from year one to year two. Barmore's rookie has been very impressive. 
Perkins we haven't seen on the field in the game. We haven't seen him on the active roster yet through three weeks because he's been inactive coming out of uh, the preseason into the regular season due to an injury. Uh, you know, I think we saw a mix of things with him. It's going to take him time. Playing outside linebacker with the Patriots is a different deal than most. They don't yeah. just ask you to put your hand down or stand up and go straight up field. you got to do an awful lot of that position for them. And, and, and frankly, you know, setting the edge and being effective against the run is where it starts. But I'll tell you one guy who has been very good for them on the edge and has been playing through a bit of a knee issue is Matt Judon. Two and a half sacks on Sunday versus the Saints. He's played against Brady as a Baltimore Raven. I am sure the Tom will be well aware of him on oh, Sunday yeah. night. Yeah, he got two and a half sacks against the Saints offensive line. Is that what you said? He did. Wow. Okay. Nice. Pretty. It's definitely impressive, and it should be a fun Sunday night. Uh, I know it's going to be weird. Uh, as I was as I was joking with you before we came on the year, I'm sure Scott Zolak's going to have hearts around the twelve on on, on his chart, which uh, which should be which should be fun to fun to listen to. Uh, I'll definitely uh, have to have to drop in and check it out on. Uh, 98.5 the sports hub the uh, the flagship station uh, of the patriots so i can uh hear you guys uh make the call should be a, should be a fun one though bob uh, we appreciate you being with us i, I do have one more oh, 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 I, I just no it's just fine i just didn't want to jump in front of you because this is like a closing out question i know you wanted to get the barmore question in there okay we asked this to everybody uh end of the game patriots win what needs to happen what did we just watch the Patriots to win that game. <laughs> They're gonna have to play, uh, you know, uh, the best game far and away this season that they've played, uh, which is the understatement of the day. And you know, the obvious. Um, no, no, they, the seas have to part. Like it's not that bad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. I, I think that look, there are a lot of proud football players on that team, mm-hmm. and you know, Tom Brady knows that. Rob Gronkowski. Knows that. And I think the thing about the team is the I go back to 2018, and maybe this is where you hang your hat if you're a Patriots fan. Patriots went to Tennessee, Nashville, and they played Mike Vrabel's Tennessee Titans. Now, again, we're talking about different sets of personnel here. But from the start, the Titans, they took away White on the very first play of the game. And after that, Tom had a long day going against Vrabel. His former teammate, they used to go at it all the time on the practice field when they were teammates with the Patriots. And I got to think that there are some Patriots defenders in particular, Devin McCourty, Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, Lawrence Guy up front. These are all guys that have practiced day in and day out going against Tom Brady. Just as he knows every strength and weakness of them individually and that defense collectively, they know the same for him. And I got to think the chance for the Patriots in this game is that with all the emotions swirling around, and nobody's better at handling his emotions than them. I'm, 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 I'm searching here, really. But I think, <laughs> I, I think you know, from the, from the patient point of view, is maybe you go back to that game as a fan and you say, you know, that kind of scenario, maybe not to that extent, because the Bucks have a lot better players than the Patriots had in terms of weapons. You know, that game, Tom repeatedly threw to Josh Gordon, for example. He's got so many different weapons across the board, offensive. Maybe it's that kind of a, you know, where... The game plan is really effective from mm-hmm. a defensive standpoint. The team really heightens its level of performance. Things start a little awry for, for Tom Adesinki with his emotions. You know, maybe you, you kind of see a situation like that. But I think it's going to be extremely different. I think the, pro- the, the problems for the Patriots not only exist offensively, not only exist defensively against Brady and company, but 
offensively too. They have to have an effective run game. You know, they didn't really try to establish it against the Saints. I think in part because they also knew the Saints had a great run game. Well, as Bruce Arians said in his press conference this week, nobody's even trying to run it against the Bucs. And that was apparent at week one with the Cowboys. Yeah. Those guys on the interior, and with that pass rush potential, and the production they've gotten from the people who are going to be, you know, full bore after Matt Jones in the game, you got to figure the Bucs are going to, you know, come out on Sunday night, and they're going to look to reestablish themselves as a fearsome pass rush, the way you know, they showed in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. But I think for the Patriots, they just have to, they have to be almost near perfect, if not perfect, in every phase. They have made so many mistakes we're not accustomed to seeing them make through the first three weeks, right? Special teams errors, again, lack of protection, unforced penalties. And, and you can't afford any of that against this Buccaneers team coming off a loss Sunday night, particularly, you know, with, with Brady and John coming into Foxborough and everything that, you know, they're going to break. And Gronk has Gronk looked fantastic. He's looked pre-2018. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, he's been phenomenal thus far. We'll see, we'll see what happens uh, on Sunday night. And now that we've gotten uh, the, the, the last question that I forgot, obviously. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it happens sometimes. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, enjoy the call. Enjoy seeing number 12 in pewter and red and uh we uh we'll hope to talk to you again here soon my friend go navy hey see i i, I root for tom i don't enjoy seeing him in pewter and red though i gotta tell you that <laughs> <laughs> i gotta be honest <laughs> i i hear that my friend go navy go navy beat army uh, absolutely that is bob Sosi. thanks bob play by play voice of the new england patriots you know i, I was looking at the uh uh, at the spread early here on uh, on BetUS, uh, Ren, and uh-huh. just, as I adjust my microphone as well. There uh, we go. There we go. Got to adjust my camera. Uh, Seven-point favorite early on uh, for the Bucks uh, mm-hmm. on the road in New England. Uh, minus 280 if you want the money line uh, on it. Right now, um, I probably would stay away from both of those. Uh, as we speak, but it looks like, you know, obviously uh, with BetUS, our sponsor here for the PewterCast, you can get a whole, you can get live lines as things are going on. And BetUS is in now in their 27th year of offering uh, lines on games around the, around the country, around the world, as you can bet on the NFL and on college football when the NBA and the NHL come up. You'll be able to bet on uh, those games as well. You can bet on UFC, PGA rounds, uh, the horses. You can do it all. Bet on the ponies, as Ren likes to say. Bet the ponies. With BetUS. And you can actually get a quite the bonus from BetUS through us here at the PewterCast. If you go to BetUS.com or call 1-800-MY-BETUS and use the promo code Pewter C, it's like Pewter Cast, but take the AST off of it. And the number 125, so Pewter C 125, you get a 125% sign up bonus. So if you deposit 100 bucks, you have $225 worth of leverage. And if you like to use crypto, if you're a Bitcoin head, you can use the promo code Pewter C, same thing, 200 
and get a 200% sign-up bonus right now. Ren went 6-0 and last week. I'm 6-0 from the year. I went 4-0 oh, last week. Sorry, excuse me. It's all right. In the year. I'm undefeated, whatever. Yeah, I've made like a million dollars. Exactly. So, And you can be <laughs> just like Ren in that case. Go to BetUS.com. Promo code is PewterC. Again, PewterCast without the AST. 125. And you can get a 125% sign-up bonus from BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid from BetUS. I haven't looked too deep into the lines this week, but I think I'll be taking the bucks in a teaser where I can, you know, manipulate you, the points. Yeah, you want to you get down to bucks minus one? Yeah, exactly. You know, and then find some other game um, that, you know, that just sort of sticks out to you. That Atlanta game stuck out to me like a sore thumb yes, last week. You know, they were getting three, and I'm like, they're going to win. Like, you know, so, and they did. But, you know, you're only, you're only as smart as your last win. So, um, but, yeah, I've been uh, using BetUS, you know, uh, got a little bit of the gambling bug, but I'm 6-0, and and I've made about, I mean, uh, a little over 500 bucks in two weeks. So, there you go. That, that helps. <laughs> it all helps. It certainly does help. So, uh, so yeah, so definitely check out BetUS. Uh, com. What what did you, what surprised you the most about what Bob was talking about here with us today? Uh, I guess I would say overall um, was his just sort of okay. He works for the Patriots, right? Yes. When you hear Scott Smith talk, something uh, Scott Smith from Buccaneers com. Something I've always liked about Scott Smith is that he would be honest with you, but without sort of calling players or coaches out. You know, he'd be like, like you know, the Bucks, uh, you know, rush, pass rush has not been the best. You know, he'll say something like that. Uh, overall, I, I was surprised about, not, and I know it's because I've only really heard people talk about the Patriots that are Patriots fans, and they've just been so obnoxious the past two decades. Every right to be. But, you know, it's, it's like... Uh, the defense of Brady when, you know, off stupid off-field stuff or other players. And things, but how honest Bob was with a, sort of the assessment of the team where it is now. I mean, it was like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, he didn't, you know free, if you listen to him, like free agents haven't worked out. The defense isn't very good. The offensive line isn't very good. Yeah. You know, their you know, new running back can't pick up the blitz. Mac Jones is struggling. The receivers can't separate. You know, uh, those are all sort of – there was no – hey, we're the Patriots of the past 20 years, we're the best, and we're going to beat everybody type of thing. Uh, after that, um, I was a little shocked, too, about the Patriots' offensive line because they have been so good for so many years, especially with Brady in there. Now, how much of that was, you know, Brady getting rid of the ball? But, you know, if I've seen this year, uh, Brady's, I felt, he's hold the ball a little more than he should. Not that I'm, you know, wagging a finger at him, albeit yeah. for me to tell Tom Brady how to play quarterback. I get it, <laughs> you know. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm here to talk about what I see. Uh, so that that was probably the biggest thing, like that, you know, the big bright neon sign for me coming out of there was that the Patriots' offensive line is struggling. But we heard that about Atlanta, and we really didn't do anything as far as the pass rush. So yeah. hopefully, this is step one to getting the Bucks' pass rush right for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think for me the most incredible thing that, that Bob talked about was the fact that Josh McDaniels, who is known for being one of the most inventive and innovative play callers, has gone very, very vanilla 
position. Right. And I, I and I understand that it's because you have a whole bunch of new faces that right. you're dealing with at a first year quarterback. You can't get as inventive and, and as far in the weeds with the playbook as you would say with a with a veteran quarterback. Even a veteran quarterback in his first year with the playbook like Cam Newton. But the fact that th- this Bucks team is going to see a Patriots offense that runs very vanilla. And I and yeah. I think that that's going to be very very important for for the uh, for Todd Bowles and company to understand is that you're going to get a vanilla you're getting a vanilla offense here. So you've got to be able to take advantage. You know, I would I would love to be able to see the um uh, you know, defensive line stunts. You you want to get offensive the offensive linemen to get out of position, and, and I think that you can. Re- I think they could really have uh, a difficult time, especially if you've got, say, a, a Shaq Barrett or a uh, or a Will Golston coming off of a uh, being able to stunt around a Vita Vea. I think that that could be. They, I I think the the Patriots offense could be in for a long, long evening. I think one of the middle linebackers, Whiter Davis, leads the limit, leads the team in sacks next this coming up. Well, Sunday night, I guess. Yeah. Uh, saying that you know um, Harris can't pick up the blitz. You know, a lot of a lot of things he was saying. I was like, yeah, uh, welcome to the club. Like poor special teams. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like you know, our our top running back can't pick can't uh, pick up the blitz or pass protect. Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, he had a ball go off his hand and get intercepted. <laughs> Boy, that sounds familiar. Yeah, exactly. It was like, how's that feel? Yeah, welcome to the rest of the, of, uh, the NFL, buddy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I think, and you know, like I said, they're bringing in a, a I think it's a Brandon Bolden um, to pass protect well brandon bolden's not going to run the ball against this defense you know harris maybe um bolden not a chance so So if bolden's in there like they're just gonna tee off on this kid and make him throw short and throw early and if the bucks can make those tackles and i think they're gonna get to him a lot i think we're looking you know four plus sacks for the game and i think the inside linebackers uh you know Going up against having to be one on one in Bolden, uh, right up the middle, I think they're you know they're going to uh, slip by him a couple of times, and uh, and with Mac Jones, you know, being a rookie, he's only you know he's only played three games. Mm-hmm. There's that fine line of keeping your eyes because you're told like keep like don't look at the rush, right? Well, you got to kind of look at it and feel it. Does he have the NFL feel? You know, slide around the pocket that Brady does? No, he doesn't. So. Um, with him sort of looking at his hots and trying to get the ball out because of the pressure that I think he's going to be under, um, I think he's going to get blasted a couple of times. Yeah, and that and you need to have that happen. And, and Nofu is in the in the comments talking about how the de- the focus needs to be if the, the defense can get a sack against the vanilla offense because if they can't, that that's that bodes poorly because let's face it, the defensive backs need to get. Need the need the front seven to get pressure because until they get healthy or get re- reinforcements. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. For sure. It's it's the only it's the only way that you're gonna it's you're gonna be able to hide the the problems that you do have. On yeah. Defense. Yeah. Is by, exactly. Is by getting pressure up front. That's that's all there is to it. 
Yeah, this seems like to be a game set up perfectly for the Buccaneers to, to win. I'm not going to sort of predict a route, um, but I think it's going to be a lot closer to the Falcons game than any other game uh, without sort of the, uh, you know, like, look up halfway through the third quarter and like, what? Wait, wait, what happened? Like, wh- why are they only three points down? Like, what, what just, you know, what happened? Um, so, yeah, uh, I just can't wait to watch it, to be honest. Like, I, you know, like... At this point, the it's just going to be more of the atmosphere and the feel of the game is sort of going to take the front seat, and the game itself is going to kind of take a back seat for me until probably halfway through the third quarter. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't. That, but that's what I'm. More, I should say. That, okay, let me put it this way. I'm more excited to. I've never been more excited to watch a pregame in my life. Put it that way. All the shots of Brady walking around Gillette Stadium early. The way the fans treat him, like if they don't, well, the Bucks probably won't introduce him, or maybe they will. I don't know. Let's see. I don't know. I want to see. I just want to oh. see. Yeah, the, everything before kickoff. I'm. I really, really want to see like a lot. Except the only thing that I would think would be more than I was like 12 years old, and it was like my first Super Bowl that I really understood what was going on. You know, and it was like. It was four hours of watching all this stuff, and it was great. And then about 16, 17, you're like, oh, my God, like, when's the game start? And then you hit your 20s, and you don't even turn it on until, you know, 10 minutes before kickoff because 10 minutes before kickoff is really a half hour before kickoff. So, exactly. But, and, yeah, I'm really excited for pregame. Sorry. Yeah, pregame, pregame should be a lot of fun. You know, I, I think that the first quarter, the, the first 15 minutes of the game, you're going to see – Things are going to be very different. This is going to be almost Super Bowl level uh, adrenaline, I think, and that's what the that's what Brady is going to have to work through. Is there's going to be a lot of adrenaline working through him from him because he's back in Foxborough. There's going to be a lot of adrenaline on the Patriots defense side, defensive side, because this is going to feel like a Super Bowl to them. This is going to be as close to them having a Super Bowl at Gillette Stadium as they as they could they've ever had. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of adrenaline for them. I think there's going to be a lot of adrenaline for Tom. And I think whoever can work through that adrenaline and get into the routine of this being an NFL football game, kind of like the Super Bowl, the, the team that does that first is probably the team that's going to come out with a win. So are you saying that if Mac Jones settles in before Tom Brady, the Patriots are going to win? I don't, I, well, I don't think Mac Jones is going to settle in. That's the thing. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. I almost got you there. I almost got you there. <laughs> Anything else that uh, Bob said that uh, you want to talk about? Um, yeah, the Josh McDaniels thing was, uh, you know, I, I mean, that was that's all that I, I think that that's probably the thing that surprised me the most about it. You know, about yeah. about the conversation. The thing that I'm that I took away is that this is going to be vanilla. And I, yeah, that was really important. And also, uh, I'm a little shocked, but not. I think I think he explained it very well. Sort of like the way the Patriots fan base is is looking at Mac Jones. You know, one, he's the guy that follows the guy, which always helps, especially if the guy that followed the guy was only there for one year. Yeah. Two, it seems like the Patriots fans understand that they've got problems elsewhere. So when you start pointing fingers at what's wrong with the team by the time you get the quarterback you're probably out of the top 10 i was so, gonna say you have to start taking off your shoes for that 
Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it sounds like the Patriots fan base, you know, have no delusions of, you know, Super Bowl or bust. Um, you know, I think right now, like we were, sort of like when we got Jameis Winston, is just like, I just want to see progress. I want to see him mature, make good decisions, you know. Um, yeah, you know, be able to read more than half the field, uh, situational football, clock management, that type of thing. So It's going to be a fun one, that, that is for sure. Um, before we get on out of here, just, uh, just, a quick, uh, just a quick heads up for uh, our viewers and our listeners that the Friday episode is going to run a little early. Uh, we're going to get started at 11.45 for uh for friday's show as we get ready to wrap up the week uh with the the guys from the peter plank are yeah us this week. yeah our uh, fan-sided brethren our podcasts show up are on every single one of their articles they put out uh so we're gonna have the site experts on uh, we're gonna talk a little buccaneers football going four squares gotta make a new overlay <laughs> should be should be a lot of fun again that'll be at eleven forty-five on friday but as we get out of here ren Yes. Give us the rendition. Best place to find me is on Twitter at the PeterCast. I'm always down to talk Buccaneers football. But if you feel like your take is too hot and don't want to put it there up there on the Twitter sphere, feel free to slide in my DMs and I'll talk Buccaneers football with you there as well. Too. Absolutely. And you can follow me. I'm at Steve Carney on Twitter and Instagram. CP9.com for your Rays coverage. Rays start a uh, their final road trip tonight in Houston. And uh, still three games to hit a hundred. One game so to three games. Three games did a hundred. One game to to get the best record in the American League. All right, magic so, numbers. Magic numbers. So it's all about the magic numbers, and that'll be tonight. And uh, also subscribe to the uh, Petercast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, leave us ratings and reviews. Thank you to the Fan Sided Network. Thank you to BetUS.com and Manscaped, our great sponsors. And until next time, until Friday, Friday, go buck yourself.